You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. Hey, Al, how are you? Oh, I am excellent. Excellent. Um, <laughs> Good to hear. I'm sitting here beside... Yeah, um, it was actually... It's, it's outside. It was a normal. It was a normal windy February or March morning, like um, an hour ago. Okay. And then just when, just when I signed on the Discord, it was like torrentially snowing, like really heavy snow and hail, like lashing against the windows. And uh, now I look inside the window, and um, now twenty minutes later, and uh, it's just another summer's day. Oh, um, okay. What did uh, the weather? The, the snow last week got much worse, did it? It actually didn't. No, no. Um, it was bad in some places, but it was gone by uh, Monday morning. Ah, okay, right. So there was no like no days off or anything like that, like last year. No, yeah, no, no. It was actually actually was yeah. We're saying before it was the time last year where Ireland was shut down. Fantastic. Because remember last week you you called the snow when you were with your mention of it. Exactly, yeah. But I I I, see, I, I was calling the calling the snow again and again all week long as well, but that didn't work. Damn. So I think it's probably a, probably just a one off a one off um a one off miracle. So we've no we've no care on this week. He's out sick. We're not out sick. So we wish him a speedy recovery and we hope that he uh, gets a, a decent bit of sleep. That's it. That's, sleep, sleep is good for, for, for being sick. And yeah. Uh, that's why, despite my prognosis of the situation. <laughs> Very accurate. I'm a doctor. It's a, it's, it's a grand week to be sick because we haven't got much going on in Magic this week. Yeah, exactly. It's, it has slowed down. I wonder, um, oh, did I say this before? I think I said this before on the podcast. Um, oh, I used to know the date. There's there a date one time BBC News had no, um, had no news. Uh, news anchor just came on and said, "Good evening. There is no news today. Uh, someday we'll have an episode of where um, we'll, uh, you know, we'll 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 be able to say there's no news today, and then the end credits will play. That'll be <laughs> the end of the podcast. I think, uh, yeah, today is probably or this this episode is probably the closest we've been to that in a long time. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think um, there there is kind of a big piece of news, but like it's kind of there's not really that much to say about it until we hear more. So I don't know." Yeah, it's um, yeah, we, we we can speculate for errors, obviously, but uh, it's usually better if we don't do it. The real news, the full news is coming at some point. Uh, we'll we'll look very aged and very um, um, yeah, inaccurate once once the news actually comes out. Well, it's like this is our very first. Yeah, n- nothing is going to stop us from speculating here. Oh no, yeah, I'm, I'm saying we, yeah, we can speculate, of course, but you know, we're just you know, we're not necessarily going to spend uh, a lot of <laughs> like a whole hour of speculating, are we? Um. Well, maybe we can do a minute per a minute per image. <laughs> Excellent, a deep dive breakdown. Yeah. Uh, well, I just remembered it. Yeah, I, I just pulled this up. Okay. It's um. I have it here in front of me anyway, but uh, I should probably introduce what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> so it was announced uh, just the other day, and again, I'll, I'll link this in the show notes. Um, that there are going to be thirty six Planeswalker cards in War of the Spark, the upcoming Magic set. Uh, this was speculated when we saw the the trailer with all the stained glass um, images around the tower. So um, it's kind of been. I, I think most people were on board with this, and they and they felt like it was definitely coming. But it was you know exciting to see it confirmed. So thirty six planeswalkers, kind of insane. We still don't know the mechanics of it yet. We don't know if they're all going to be mythic rare. Maybe some of them will be at lower rarities. But it really seems like this set is going to be like the the planeswalker set. Um, so we have kind of higher res images of these uh, stained glass 
Planeswalker arts and apparently these are the arts that are going to be in the actual in the actual set but uh, not stained glass version so it's the same kind of like lines outline but the ones in the set will be not stained glass and I suppose the interesting thing is also, some returning planeswalkers that we haven't seen in a while and we also have uh, some new planeswalkers that we've never seen before yeah, sorry, you, you say we don't know what rarity to be but we do know that there's did you just say that there's going to be one planeswalker in every pack yeah, I did. I didn't say that just there, but yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Planeswalker and everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess you can kind of assume it might just be the same, um, same way Dominaria had on you know, currently Legend in every pack. Well, yeah, you know, the Legends were uncommon or rare or mythic in Dominaria, so we don't know if that will be the same thing here. Like, we have no idea if they're yeah, uncommon yeah. or if it'll literally be a mythic rare in every pack. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I think we're actually, I know, yeah, further speculation, I know at one point. When they when they made that change when they introduced that thing for Dominaria to have a, a legend in, in every or yeah legend legend in every pack, uh, Marco Wizard had alluded towards this being the result of like um just like an upgrade in the te- in the technology of kind of card sorting um that it was, it was something that they were unable to do initially when they could do um the same way like uh, back in original Innistrad when they were able to guarantee to have a double face card in every in every pack that was something that they didn't have the technology to do previously but then eventually they did so um yeah it could be you know, another technology, technology, technological advance that allows us to have yeah, a mythic in every pack or something, something crazy like that. Yeah, uh, and also for the for the pre-release, your pre-release will have a guaranteed extra Planeswalker foil plus your normal promo, as far as I know, which could be one of these Planeswalkers as well. Plus you'll have a Planeswalker in each pack, so you could have like eight Planeswalkers in your seal pool. My God. I think yeah, Dominaria had the extra like two promos as well. Yeah, one of them being exactly. Dominaria had the extra legend. One of them being legend. The promo. Wow, that's a lot of planeswalkers. Two of these uh, characters, right? Yeah. Okay, so the image that I've got up in front of me, uh, Samut, is first. Okay. Do you want to um, like let's not talk about who each planeswalker is necessarily, unless we have no idea who they are, uh, and let's yeah. just say if uh, we think they're going to die or not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, okay, I have something similar open. Yes, all right. Samut, he said? Yeah, uh, we can also talk about interesting things from the art. So, like, from Samut's art, we can see Eternals on Ravnica. Oh, yes, class. Yes, I guess uh, just Boda's taking over. We're going to get um, mm. Champion of Wits reprinted. That'd be great. Um, uh, Samut, did she, she her, so her spark got uh, on not, not great, uh, not great with the Lord Wound. I think her spark, her spark went um, at the end, or her spark ignited um, at some point in... Um, our devastation and she went to another plane uh i don't remember if she went to another plane or not but yeah she disappeared here okay yeah um but anyway yeah so it's it's a first lady shield die or not i think think she might i don't know i, I suppose i mean I, I i'm not even sure if it's gonna be one of those like oh let's look at all the people that die because like you know it's it's if we're gonna have 36 cards dedicated to each planeswalker we're also gonna need another you know if it is a matter of like oh some will die some won't die um we're also gonna need like a bunch of cards to tell the story of the fate of each of those 36 planeswalkers. You know what I mean? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, there's so much going on here that I think they're going to have to do it through the like story on the website. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I, yeah, I, it could, okay. the, the thing that I was thinking of is it could be like the, you know, the Marvel universe, like the snap or whatever. Spoilers for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> loads of people die. I mean, I, well, I haven't seen Age of Ultron uh, or no, whatever. No, not Age of Ultron. The one that everyone liked. Infinity uh, War. What's it called? Infinity War, yeah. I haven't seen it, but um, I basically know the entire plot from memes, so uh, don't worry about spoiling it. So. All right, so 
Not sure about so much. Uh, I, I would I would guess that she's not yeah. going to die because she's a relatively new planeswalker. But uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, moving on to Bolas. Bolas' yeah. art looks so sweet. Oh, uh, exactly. Um, um I'm going to go for Bolas. I think dying. Okay. Now I was. I'm. I'm. I think. Yeah. I. I. I'd agree that he's not going to die. But I think if they, if there is a candidate for another big bad guy, uh, he will die and be replaced by something else. Okay. I think he'll be defeated. You know what I mean? But they'll keep him for... Yeah, okay, right. He's such a popular character, but obviously the story has centered on him now for quite a while. I think if he continued to be like the main bad guy, people would get sick of him. But I do think Wizards would never want to shut the door entirely on Bolas because like other things like, I don't know, the Eldrazi or uh, the Phyrexians, people like them, but I don't think they like them quite as yeah. much as Bolas because Bolas is like a single identifiable character. Whereas those are like races and kind of hard to identify with, so I think they they would like to have Bolus in their back pocket. Yeah, I I I agree, I agree that totally. Um, maybe uh Bolus will uh, lose his spark and uh, become a creature again with uh, dragon nipples. That that would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Or a lot of people are saying like maybe he gets trapped somewhere, like maybe he gets trapped in the meditation realm. Ooh. Class. Speaking of the meditation realm. He's trapped in Ixalan. Up next we have uh Ashiok. Oh yes. So. In Ashiok's art. Again, we haven't seen Ashiok for a while. Uh, last time we saw Ashiok was on Theros, messing with people's dreams. But in the background of Ashiok's art, you can see um, what looks like the bolus horns kind of on the horizon, and which would make sense with the meditation. Yeah, I like that. Class. Again, um, to know what's going on with Ashiok because uh, they are basically <laughs> unknowable. You have no idea whatever, what's ever going on with Ashiok. Um, yeah, yeah. Next, we have a planeswalker called Teo Verada, who I have never heard that name before, but apparently he is a known planeswalker. I don't know. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I'm surprised someone put a name to him. Um, I don't know. This is before my time. I don't know. I know. Like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad with it. I'm pretty bad with pre-mending lore. Also, post-mending lore. I'm not good at either. Yeah, I mean, most of the lore in general, not so great. He looks cool. Uh, I hope we learn more about him. I assume he's not going to die because I, I don't know. I, th- I think he might be new. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I could just Google the correct answer, but uh, it's more fun to speculate. Hmm. Um, he's got a look like discs, like circles around him. Yeah, those um, discs are kind of weird. Yeah, maybe like a what kind of magic black and white? Be? I don't know. I, I'm kind of defaulting towards like manipulate, manipulating time, but you know that's basically the very thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like gravity, black white gravity planeswalker. Is that a thing? Yeah, it could be. Um, Do you have any uh, gravity mages? Uh, Domri is. Damri is obviously yeah. kind of leading the gruel and uh, is a bolus aligned planeswalker, and you can kind of see that in the art here. With uh, he has a, he's carrying this staff, which is in the shape of the bolus horns. Yeah, I think Damri is Damri's going to die. Yeah, do you think? His last planeswalker card. His last planeswalker card didn't really protect itself. Oh, makes sense. Uh, yeah. Up next, we have an unknown blue white planeswalker, um, female with some kind of staff. Um, well. We don't know that she's blue white, but her art is very blue and white, so that's the guess. She also yeah, red. <laughs> Sorry, which, yeah, um, I don't know. Jess guy, I don't know. If, if it's a blue white planeswalker, I guess I'd have to explore different kind of science spaces to fairy, uh, and and um, Dove Man. So kind of, I guess kind of Dove Man is very kind of representing you know, the two different sides of the blue white spectrum. Um, I don't really know what else there is to occupy there. Um, um well, Dove Man, uh, he's on the like. The weenie side deals with a lot of creatures, uh, some life gain, makes tokens. Whereas Teferi 
draws cards and tucks things. So she could be more on the instant and sorcery side, like directly affecting instant sorceries. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or enchantments. Would enchantments be? Maybe. Yeah, could be. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, blue light. I don't know. Minus to tutor up enchantment for your deck. Uh, plus to um, put it on the battlefield. No, I don't know. I'm terrible at designing cards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's... Uh, for that reason, she's going to die. She won't make it. Enchantments are not good in constructed, so she's going to die. All right, she'll be introduced. We won't even learn her name, and then she'll die. Um, exactly. We have Ral. So Ral, we already know Ral. He's uh, he has a ah uh, yep. Had a card last set. Well, not last set. The one before. Um, looking like he's doing some Ral things here. Some is it calling up some lightning? Think he's gonna die? Class. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like every time I'm making a decision, it's based on things that don't matter. He is popular. He's gonna die. No, no, he's not gonna die. He's not gonna die. Okay. Uh, next up we have Tam. You think so? She's got loads of scrolls floating around. All right. Boom. Tamiya is going to be a, a functional reprint of Scroll Rack. Okay. <laughs> uh, on, on, on a planeswalker. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe. Okay. I'll get behind that. <laughs> uh, I guess this was, if, I, if anything is going to be an enchantment matter as planeswalker, it'd be Tamiya, right? E- We've seen different iterations of Tamiya. Up next we have Karn, the Karn father. Look Boom. Heroic. Yeah. What's your what's your bets on no, Kar- whether Karn's gonna die or not? Kar- Karn Karn will not definitely not die. Absolutely not. I won't be having it. You can he'll exile two lands before he dies. That's what's gonna happen. If he does, but uh, he won't. It'll be a reprint of Karn Liberated. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Or how about uh, I mean, because he's no longer liberated, they have to give him a different name. So it's gonna be exactly the same seven mana planeswalker uh, with the same abilities with a different name. Oh. So uh, Tron can play. Oh, nice. That would be sweet. Yeah. It's gonna make those uh those new five card hands even better. <laughs> oh yeah, I keep on forgetting that. So yeah, I'm excited to see how that turns out. But um, uh, good I, for Tron. That's my um. I I think that uh Mark Rosewater actually did confirm that all these cards are gonna be new cards, so none of them are replayed. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Next, we have an unknown planeswalker again. It seems to be a woman, and she seems to be wearing some kind of like Asian style like conical hat and. She is like swiping a sword, but it's a big flashy thing through the air. I don't know what's going on with her. She looks like she's out of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, like Raiden, basically. Yeah. You're basically Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Um, it's, 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 it's actually so hard for me to picture this character doing anything other than uh, lightning magic. Yeah, definitely. I, I would I would agree with that if I was going to bet. Although, actually, now, now they look at it, her sword kind of looks like wind. So maybe she's got something to do with wind going on. Oh. Actually, yeah, I think that, that that suits the rest of, of uh, her her image as well. But her her face is kind of hidden, so we can't actually see who she is, or I don't know. She's very mysterious. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in this one. Um, next we have everyone's favorite devil, Tybalt. Tybalt, boom. So he hasn't been uh, hasn't been around for quite a while. Ever since his planeswalker card, his original planeswalker card, which is widely held to be the worst of all time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although, honestly, I, know, I read a theory that it, it's probably not as bad as some of the like seven mana planeswalkers that they've printed in the like in the introduction decks. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's like people joke. Yeah, it's obviously very easy to make jokes about them, but like two mana planeswalker, of course, it's not going to be um, you know a card advantage engine or anything like that. But uh, I, I you know, saw a comment that someone said that maybe wizards are going to um, really push to bolt in this set um, just to try and kill the meme, um, but then. They'll push him too much, and he'll dominate standard. Yeah, I mean, they can kind of go two ways with it, right? They can lean into it, or they can push against it. So yeah, yeah, they can either make another 
horrifically bad version, uh, which would be very. <laughs> or they could, uh, yeah. they could make uh, something really good to kind of, yeah, like you said, kill the meme. Um, next up, we have Jaya. I think Jaya is a shoe in to die. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, I feel like it's, it's one of those things that one of these things are writing. I feel like you know it's very easy to like she like, like she she's a shoe in just to be a character that sacrifices herself for the rest of the party. Um, so many things about her, you know, her basically her, her arc is complete. Um, you know, you know her age and stuff, and, and and because she's so iconic, she, she'd be perfect for a self sacrifice for the rest of the party. But I feel like that's such an an easy decision for the writers to make. Like a lot of good writers usually um realize when they are making an easy decision like that. Um, which kind of forces them to do something unexpected. So yeah, but I think I think story like have or die would be too easy. But I think it's isn't isn't that what the magic story usually does? They just they just take the obvious the obvious route. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're you're right. Yeah. So I think I'm not. not I, I still want her to die. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It definitely is true. They do do that. I would like to not do that. I think they will anyway. Uh, next up, we have Angrath. Uh, I'm not sure what Angrath's doing here because you know. He was like so stoked to get off Ravnica and go and visit his daughters. So I don't know what he's doing, running running back into a war so fast. But I don't know maybe he has some some tie to Bolas or something that he had to had to follow him into his little war. Yeah, I think I I, I think you can probably say the same for a lot of these planeswalkers. Are like a you know some of them you're kind of wondering why 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 are they here? Um, I I assume but, all yeah at some point. Yeah. Uh, next up we have Dovin. Uh, I also feel like Dovin's going to die just because a lot of people are saying it. I didn't think it at first, but now a lot of people are saying it. It's kind of, the narrative is kind of working itself up in my head. And it's like, oh yeah, that kind of, that makes sense. He's kind of been the bad guy twice around. Nobody really likes him that much. I think he's cool. I'd like to, them to keep him going forward. Um, he's also, he seems to be missing a finger, I think, because... Uh, uh, Vidalcan are supposed to have six fingers, so I think he only has five on his right hand. Oh my god, yeah. I wonder that, if that's something we're supposed to be paying attention to, or that does uh, uh, miss. Oh, maybe. It, I mean, he seems to have six on his left hand, but only five on his right hand. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, maybe, yeah, maybe it is on purpose. Although, it, um, again, it, it could be something that, that kind of didn't come through in the stained glass version of the art or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Up next, we have Ajani. Ajani is looking pretty sick. Charging into battle in front of some Selesnya dudes. A uh, little squirrel at Last. the feet. Boom. Ajani. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think as well. Sorry, go ahead. You go on. Yeah, I, I think I put Ajani in the same, very same category as Jaya. It would be a, a nice and easy cop-out for him to die. The hero sacrifice. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I, I was going to say that as well. But I really don't want Ajani to die. Ajani is just the best. Like... When you hear his voice lines on Arena, you just feel so soothed. You just feel like he, <laughs> he wants you to succeed. Have you heard some of his voice lines on Arena? Yeah, yeah. I have, yeah, yeah it's fantastic. Um, so good. It's like, I, was, I was also um, pretty impressed by Damri, Damri's voice acting on Arena. Haven't one of those things where like, when, when he appeared in the screen. Have you not? Oh, it's actually, it's actually gosh, It's like um, when I heard when, when, when he appears in the screen, I kind of had like, before he spoke, I was thinking, oh, he's either going to have like a, a big gruff, me charge, me smash, or um, you know, a really kind of gruff, you know, deep voice, or a really high pitched, uh, like what are you looking at? Kind of um, you know, you know, like a like a cartoon mob boss who's smaller than the rest of his goons. Oh, okay. um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but he actually has has a, he has a cool Cockney accent. Oh, really? Like, all right, governor, want to pump some man up, like shit like that. Let's see what we find. Like, it's pretty cool. God, that's unexpected. 
yeah, so that, that, that's exactly, like I was saying before, that's a perfect example of, I'm sure um, the, the, the designers, you know, thought of, my, thought, thought of those two things first, like, oh, it could be really gruff and rough, like Beast Smash, or kind of really high-pitched and squeaky, like, like a, you know, like, um, oh, what's his name, Scrappy-Doo? He uh, like, could have a Scrappy-Doo voice, you could have a big, strong Beast Smash voice. And they're like, no, those two things are too obvious. Let's make something new and original and cool, which they did. Mm. Um, that's probably one of the only times in Magic's history that has happened. <laughs> I I would have pegged him as like uh, I would have put him on like Sonic, like Sonic's type of voice, like a cheeky teen. Oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that'd be so lame. Yeah, but no, the 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 Cockney thing that you're talking about that sounds that sounds good. That sounds like a nice place to to kind of put his character. Um, up next we have absolutely. Uh, Teferi is holding some kind of time orb. It kind of looks like his spark, uh, actually, which is like from from the opt uh, artwork. You know the opt artwork? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm very I mean, there. Do we think he's going to give up his spark again? No, okay. That's happened already. Yeah, that would be, be very lame if he does. Because he only got it back, right? He got it back in Dominaria. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a difficult decision for him. Um, yeah, that would be lame if it happened again. We're good. Up next... No, oh, yeah, I think I, I just one. Sorry, uh, I was going to move on. Did you want? Oh, I, 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 just, I, I just, yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, I, I said that could happen. Which, yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. All right, no longer stuck in a rock. We have Soren, Soren Markov. Boom. He is looking extremely yeah. vengeant. Yeah. So I guess. So sorry, before, sorry, before, so before I talk about Soren, do we know? So do, these are all planeswalkers. Are there going to be any other planeswalkers crafting these? Uh, we don't know that, do we? What What do you mean? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just noticing that Nahiri is not here. But Soren is when they're both they're both stuck in a rock. Nahiri is here. Oh, she. Okay. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um. Well, they both got out. That's nice. Well, Nahiri wasn't stuck in a rock. Nahiri... I thought they were both fighting each other. No, Nahiri put Soren in the rock. Okay, right. And that's the last we heard. She didn't do either of them. She didn't do a very good job of that. Well, I mean, he. I was guess there could be some few years, as far as we know. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it could be um it could be kind of like a kind of good development for her character if she decided to go back and release him in order to help him. As much as she, you know, was at ends with Soren, if she realized, if she, if she realized that as much as we hate him, we still need his help for this battle. She goes back to get him. Uh, so that'd be a positive thing for a character development. And then maybe, maybe their mates now. He still looks pretty angry. And, um, he does. He looks. Maybe he will die. Some people are saying that because of like the color scheme in his, um, in in his art here, that he could be like Mardu, because you know the way when we saw Nahiri. Uh, so like Nahiri's first Planeswalker card was mono white, okay. And then when she was printed yeah. in standard in uh, in Innistrad or Eldritch Moon, whatever it was, uh, she was red white. Shadow, shadows. Was, was it shadows? Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it was one of those. One of those two. Yeah, one of those. Uh, maybe, maybe it was Eldritch Moon. Yeah, she was. She was red white because she was like mad with revenge or whatever. So maybe Soren is kind of the same here. So traditionally he's black white, but maybe here he has a splash of red because he wants revenge. And of course, his family is associated with Mardu colors as well. So could be a Mardu card. Um, yeah, 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 Saying that, you know, the, the, as far as I know, the numbers work out for um, a Planeswalker of every color combination, I think. Oh, yeah. Ooh. So like 10 double-colored ones, 10 triple-colored ones, five monocolored, uh, a colorless one, which would be Karn, of course, uh, a five-color yeah. one, and four, no, sorry, yeah, five four-color ones. Is that does that work out? No, that would be thirty-two, right? So there would actually be 
No, four more. We have um, ten guilds, five colors. It's fifteen. No, t- 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 so ten guilds, five mana colors. You have ten three color ones, and then current twenty five, thirty six. And you would also have you have five. I'm oh, sorry. So there's ten guilds, ten yep. tricolor. So that's twenty. Uh, yep. five monocolor and five yeah color. So overall, that's thirty plus one color. Yes. Yeah, and one five color. That would be thirty-two, but there's actually okay. six. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we have we have Johnny and Gideon, so like it's probably will be overlap. Probably, but again, some of these planeswalkers could be colors that they've never been before. Like we'll we'll talk about yeah, yeah. Gideon, but he could be black white. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah, so that, it seems like they definitely have big spread. Up next, we've got Kiora. So Kiora uh, seems to be standing on a um, one of her massive Leviathan creatures. Yeah, I always preferred Rybina as a kid. Okay, all right, we're gonna leave that at that. Uh, <laughs> yes, so new um, best friends with Sahili. Um, maybe they come in together. Some people are speculating Dinobot, that would be pretty cool. Oh my god, because what so dumb, I love it. Didn't that happen in at the end of the Ixalan story? That so Huatli planes walk to Kaladesh and she met Sahili, and Sahili was like seemed to be interested in dinosaurs, like in their form. So be- yeah, yeah. God. It's, it's like, Wally, we need to talk about the Dinobot initiative. <laughs> um, the next one we have is Sarkin. So I haven't seen Sarkin in a while. Oh, oh yes. I'd like, to, I'd like to see Sarkin in the continuation of the Tarkir story. Although I guess Sarkin's story on Tarkir is not necessarily, like, it's kind of ended. So I guess he could die. Yeah, yeah. And it was um, a very good, kind of very good character act from which is complete. Um, I think I think in order to keep him around, they'll need to kind of give him another big challenge because uh, I guess yeah, he he has served his purpose um, over the course of, of, of this story. Although, um, so they they break quite easily. He's anything left? Um, he kind of his his arc was like a redemption arc, so like he is in his kind of redeemed status now. So he could like join the Gatewatch or something. Yeah, that's true. Um. Up next is Sahili, so we already kind of talked about her, but her art is very, very beautiful. I would like to see the oh, yeah. normal version of the art. Yeah, this class. Uh, up next, we have Jiang Yangu. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh, he's one of the uh, planeswalkers from the, the Chinese introductory set. So interesting to see him join yeah. the, the rest of the kind of planeswalker roster in a, a big a big main set. Yeah, it, well, yeah I don't know anything about this, this character. Um, you think that he has a, a cute dog. Yeah. Yeah, sold. And his the best planeswalker. He's gonna live. He's gonna live. Also, he's definitely gonna live. And his dog apparently is an exception to the the rule of like planeswalkers can't bring living things with them between planes. So like normally, if you see planeswalkers, like for example in Huatli's art, she's got dinosaurs, but she's like summoning them in the same way that like players do in the game. Players summon the creatures using mm-hmm. memories of them from another plane. Uh, but apparently, yeah. this guy Jiang Yangu, his dog is actually kind of. I don't know if his dog is also a planeswalker, but uh, his dog can actually <laughs> planeswalk with him. It was like, uh, you know, that there's like that TV tropes page. Um, there's on TV tropes of a uh, like the dog was the mastermind. I think it's called. Yes. It's like whenever there's like a big plot twist where it was this all along. Oh my god. Oh, saw it. it was the dead body was a bad guy the whole time. Yes. I mean, the dog. Maybe this is what this is. I think I think it's called the dog did it. That would be no, that would be terrible. But it's also hilarious. Oh yeah. 
Uh, next we have Obnixus. We haven't seen this guy since Zendikar. Don't know what he's been doing, but his story on Zendikar was fantastic. So glad to see him again. Yes, yeah. Um, I assume he'll be joining the the bad guy team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he might be a good candidate for like another kind of big bad planeswalker after Bolas kind of leaves after this story arc. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, what 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 his um? No, do you remember what his motivations were in in Zendikar? Was it a well? His right? get off the plane, right? Because he was imprisoned yeah. on Zendikar by Nahiri like thousands of years ago. He had a hedron stuck in his head. So he used oh, yeah, yeah. the hedron network that the allies had put together to trap um, Ulamog. And he, he, he took control mm-hmm. of it and used it to give himself back his planeswalker spark uh, and then escaped. Okay. But he also wanted Class. Zendikar to suffer as much as possible while he was doing that because he hated Zendikar. Okay. Ah, like like a lot of magic players. Yes, and he almost he almost killed Gideon. I think wasn't wasn't that the story where he he held Gideon's face down in a puddle and he's like, ah, oh, you're not so invincible now, are you? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. That, that does seem very lame. Lame. Like, oh, powerful planeswalker. How do you like? Oh, I got his face held in a puddle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Rainwater is uh, Gideon's uh, weakness. Up next, we have Arlen Cord, uh, the werewolf planeswalker. So again, last time we saw her, she was on uh, on Innistrad after uh, after Emrakul had been imprisoned. Yeah, did, did we did we ever come back to her? Because remember, she had that one chapter. Um, no, did we ever see her again? She, I think, people uh, yeah. were quite unhappy with how little she was used in that story. Yeah, same with um, Hal. What was it Hal? Two hunters, Hal and Lena. Yeah, yeah. I hope we'll see them again. Um. So interesting to see what whatever Arlen will be doing. I think just the idea of a werewolf planeswalker is very cool. So, you know, I think she's pretty safe. I don't think she's going to die. I think she'll be certainly used in the future. Um, yeah, yeah. Up next, we have Davriel Kane, who looks like he looks like the Predator. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. He's all in black. Uh, I don't know. I, I assume he's some kind of evil planeswalker. He, he's like a new character that's been introduced in the Brandon Sanderson novel. I don't know if he's actually from Ravnica, but yeah. it's like related to the Ravnica story. Yeah, actually, I haven't read this um, this, this 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 piece, but uh, it's surprising. Like people like him. Think. Very cool. Yeah, Sander uh, Brandison, great guy. Yeah. Next, we have Vraska in her Golgari Queen outfit, looking pretty cool. Um, I assume Vraska, I think, could die. She's been pretty central to the story for a while. She's got this kind of somewhat love arc going on with Jace. Her mind has been uh, I don't know, manipulated by both Bolas and Jace, so I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Frack, think, ultimately, which side she comes out on. Yeah, I think, I I, I don't know if this has already happened, but, um, presumably hasn't where, yeah, so Jace, yeah, Jace uh, made Raska forget everything about, you know, their, their relationship and himself, so she could go back and still pretend to be on Bolas' side. Um, Jace said that he, he'll, like, you know, make her, rem- her, her uh, remember everything, you know, at the perfect moment. Um, and I guess, uh, due to, uh, uh, predictable writing, I guess that lazy that, that that lazy moment, that predictable moment is going to happen uh, as she dies, as she does something great to save the day. In she's going to die in Jace's Jace's arms, and then that'll be the moment she remembers everything. Yeah, could and be. That'll have a tender moment. Um, up next we have Kaya, Ghost Assassin. Kaya is such a class cool character, but I am yeah. really sad that she killed the Obsidat. Obsidat were just cool. Yeah, yeah, it was such a such a cool concept. And um, for that reason, I hope she dies. And <laughs> <laughs> um, she like, we should, could she become a ghost herself? Uh, she be a self-loathing the, ghost assassin. The irony. That'd be too much, <laughs> too much irony. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
again, she's on Bolas's side, as far as we can tell. Uh, so I think there is a high chance of her dying. Yeah. Next, we have Ugin, the spirit dragon. Boom. Uh, Ugin. Oh, so we could have two Lord of Flames Rockets, right? Yeah. Count? Yeah, that's we count two? Karn and Ugin. Unless one of them has colors. Yeah. Ooh. That's possible. Yeah. Um, Ugin's art very interesting here. It also looks like he's in the meditation realm. And there are horns on the horizon, but they're not Bolas's horns. They're Ugin's horns. Holy shit. Because the meditation realm, well, from, from the backstory, we know that the meditation realm was originally Ugin's. Because as far as we know, Ugin was the first planeswalker. Yeah. He also seems to be holding something in his hands that looks like the gem of becoming, which is the, the egg that's in the middle of Bolas's horns. Holy shit. We're going to get him. Is Ugin going to take over Bolas's tower and then be the new big bad guy? Well, I hope not, because Ugin is Ugin is awesome. So Ugin and Narset, who we're going to talk about in a moment, are my favorite Planeswalkers, because uh, that's when I started playing during Tarkir block, and they were both introduced in that block. So yeah. They're just my favorite Planeswalkers. Also, I think, pretty sure Ugin has the the special the special edition of Ugin the Spirit Dragon is possibly the best Planeswalker art in the game. Yeah, that is very, very, that is very, very good. So very excited to see what happens with Ugin here. Um, it is also just interesting to see that his Planeswalker card is pictured him in the Meditation Realm and not on Ravnica. So, like, does that mean that he doesn't take part in the in the fight on Ravnica, or what? I think you're right, yeah. Let's quickly check on our... Are all of these definitely Ravnica? I mean, like... Um, I mean, most of them look like Ravnica. You can could be everywhere. see the, the yeah. towers and stuff in the background in most of them. Yeah, yeah. I suppose maybe he could be taking part, but kind of from, a, from afar. Could be. He could have a... Maybe Bolas flees to the meditation realm and has a final showdown there with Ugin. Oh, class. That would be sweet. Yeah. All right. Next, we have Nahiri. Um, again, haven't heard much from Nahiri since uh, since her showdown with, with uh, Soren. So, I don't know. Interesting to see what she could be doing. Yeah. Um, again, Soren is in this set, so there's going to be something happening between them there, hopefully. Uh, Ugin also in the set, so maybe something going to happen there. So, for people who don't know, Ugin, Soren, and Nahiri were the a trio of ancient planeswalkers who together worked to seal the Eldrazi on Zendikar originally, until kind of Ugin and, and Soren went off and left Nahiri to guard the Eldrazi, and then she went a bit mad because the Eldrazi started to get free and destroy Zendikar, which is her home plane, so she was a bit unhappy about that, and uh, that's why she went hunting, hunting after Soren and eventually lured Emrakul to... Uh, to Innistrad as a kind of a punishment. So yeah, a lot of uh, unresolved issues there. Yeah, <laughs> she'd be fine. She should she'll get over. Yeah, she looks a bit angry, but she'd be grand. There's some glass lithomancy in the art here. Pretty cool. Yes, yeah, some nice lithomancy. Um, up next, Lock, rocks fall, everyone dies. What? This is rocks fall, everyone dies. That's her favorite text. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Narset again. Haven't seen Narset since Tarkir. Very excited to see if her story continues. Um, again, in the same set as um, as Sarkin, so would be interesting. Last last we heard from Narset, she she was unhappy with the altered timeline where the dragons won on Tarkir, and she was seeking for the secret history of Tarkir, which was preserved by the Jeskai about how once the clans fought the dragons. Um, so God, that was so good. Yeah, interesting to hear if she meets Sarkin and learns the truth from him. Uh, next we have a whole bunch of planeswalkers together who are the the Gatewatch plus Vivian. So I feel like Vivian is going to end up as a member of the Gatewatch. Um, 
I don't think Vivian's going to die, but which of the Gatewatch members do you think are going to die? Yeah, I think, I think we kind of said Gideon, probably too easy. Then I guess, like, I suppose it's kind of, well, maybe it's kind of more reflective on us that, well, on me, especially that the, the two kind of mono-white planeswalkers are the ones that I'm kind of pinning most to die, because I guess it kind of suits suits their um, characters to self-sacrifice. Yeah. Um. So we, we had so we, we had lots of we had lots and lots of uh, foreshadowing that Gideon would die, you know, even back as far as Amaket, I think, when he met Oketra. Yeah. Um. Oh so yeah, maybe. Uh, and we have a mono white planeswalker to replace him. Yeah, maybe maybe Jamie will stick around. Maybe. Uh. What What about um Nissa? I think a lot of people are speculating that Nissa will die because of Vivian. Like Vivian is kind of there to replace her. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I know Nissa left in at the start of Dominaria. Um. Is she has she been back since then? Have we seen her since then? No, she hasn't been back since then. She she went back to Zendikar, right? So the only thing I yeah. think of is maybe she went back to Zendikar. She met Nahiri, and I don't know they're joining up together for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Because Nahiri, yeah, it's possible was on Zendikar also. They're, they're mates from school. Yeah, exactly. So that's the that's few thousand years. All the planeswalkers we're getting. I'm very excited for this set. I no idea what's going to happen really. I mean, I think we can yeah. some things, but like. The way it's going to go down is going to be very interesting for me. Yeah, because I, I like, especially like since there's some days awkward. I mean, this in the very last set, like we have Kaya and um and Dovin Man, like you know, basically being reprinted in the very next set. Uh, I think it's going to be hard, challenging for the, the design team to find more design space for these. Unless um, I mean, unless it's something like, unless like I don't know, all of these planes walkers are just uncommon and have two very minor abilities, you know. Yeah, but I do feel I do feel if they if they mm, I think rare is possible for planeswalkers. Definitely rare is possible, but I don't. I think I think they would be very very hesitant to put planeswalkers at uncommon. Like yeah, I think you're right. Definitely, they're the face of the yeah. game, and this seems to be the planeswalker set. And like, it's not like there's it's not like there's a hundred of them. Like there's thirty six. That's kind of manageable, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think um, yeah, so maybe, maybe it could just be like a new. Rarity, uh, you get like your normal because, like, usually there's like what 120 rares in a set, something like that. Yeah, um, 101, there's 121 rares in a legends. I know from my video, there's usually um, 15 minutes, there's usually 15 minutes yeah. in each set. So, you know, this is just you know, double that plus six. So, like, that's a lot, like, definitely. But if there's no other mythics in the set, then I think they could definitely fit it in. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, in the mythic, in every fact, I mean, maybe, maybe it'll be a new rarity, like a. Oh, you get two two rares in every pack. One of them is a planeswalker, and then they just have normal mythics in the set as well. Yeah, no, I, I, actually, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Well, we'll I'm sure we'll find out. Oh yeah, definitely excited. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. by Jeez. maybe by next week's podcast, we'll have we'll have more info. Uh, no, actually, it probably won't be won't be that soon. Maybe in a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, it probably will be coming out. Um, so, I mean, do you, do you think also from a design so from a design and lore perspective, this is this is obviously very very cool for all the reasons we described. Uh, do you think like what implications does this have on a limited play? Is that something you're worried about? Um, I mean, I would be worried about it, but at the same time, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird. Imagine if these planeswalkers are like are like the gold uncommons that signpost you in every set. Yeah. So then, but you're gonna get six of them every time you do a seal pool, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, because you wouldn't even get that many gold uncommons in a seal pool. And like you're not guaranteed a gold to come. Yeah, like also imagine you got two of the same or whatever, or like some some that overlapped in color. You'd be laughing. Yeah, yeah. Great time. God, yeah. Imagine like yeah, like 
know, if Johnny and Gideon rub on the white, like class. Yeah, or yeah, it is ridiculous. So I think it's even if one of them is green white and the other one is mono white, and then you just build a green white deck and just get to run both of them. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing this as an experiment and having just a super powerful limited format. I think it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's gotta give us um, yeah, just some good, good interaction with, with playing soccer's heroes and downfall. Yeah, definitely. I I think that they're gonna have to. I mean, if if this set just is chock full of normal planeswalkers the way we've always known them rather than like weird powered down versions of the cards they're gonna have to have they're gonna have to have planeswalker interaction at uncommon and not just burn they're gonna have to have the yeah. planeswalker yeah yeah definitely. so i i've posited i think i posited this card before which was black black sorcery destroy target planeswalker do you think that's a playable card <laughs> in, in a limited format like this yes uh otherwise i mean, think in standard? Oh, maybe not. I mean, obviously, a, a nice, easy cop-out answer to say, oh, it could be a cyborg card, <laughs> uh, which I guess will be but, um I mean, considering... Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't think... Considering Hero's Downfall is one black-black instant destroy target creature or planeswalker, do you think black-black sorcery destroy target creature or planeswalker could be okay? Ooh, no, no I, think, I think that would be too good. But I think it's if it was like um, destroy target target non-black creature or planeswalker. Uh, okay, yeah, that's a good... That's a good limit, limit. Yeah, I don't know. Or uh, could be like destroy destroy target green or white creature or planeswalker. <laughs> yeah, like some color <laughs> could be good. Or if it yeah yeah. Or if it had two modes and it said choose one. Uh yeah, two modes. What was that? Destroy. One, give target creature yeah. minus two minus two until end of turn. Or destroy target planeswalker and it was a sorcery for black black. That'd be good. Yes, that'd be a lot better. Yeah, I think that's. So then it's either planeswalker removal, or small creature removal, not big creature removal. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna work. Right, I don't know. Destroy target legendary permanent. Uh, yeah, that 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 sounds good. We're kind of yeah, limited creatures. First walkers. black mana. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> First Vincent. colorless mana. One black Phyrexian mana. Yes. <laughs> Bring back Phyrexian mana for this set. <laughs> Always. All right. Um, so that's yeah, that's the planeswalker roundup, I guess. Um. Do you want to talk about standard for a couple of minutes? I, there's not really much development in standard at the moment. We're kind of waiting for the yeah it, the arena duo standard format to to hit the mythic invitational, and then we'll have something a little bit more to talk about. But I've been playing arena a little bit. Uh, I've been mostly playing constructed queues. I've been playing gruel, the aggro version with one drops and no five drops, and I've been finding a very very consistent like more than higher than seventy percent win rate. It's really good. Oh, that is, yeah, I, I, I've been playing, I suppose, maybe like the week before last, I was playing a lot of um, you know, the larger uh, version with Uncanny Territory, and my, my, my win rate was around them. Did that. Uh, it actually has dropped off a lot, though, um, over the last past few days. Uh, that does, could just be, could just be variants, um, but I am looking to play something else. Um, I, I started playing Mono Blue for the first time this season. I, I, I played it a lot last season, but I haven't played it, played it with, with Hermanders uh, yet. So um, I am yeah, kind of, you know, learning that. Uh, learning learning ins and out because it, it it is a complicated deck. Um, so I'll try that for a few days, see if I can see myself getting better with it. Um, seeing the matchups because I don't know. I think well, I I'm I kind of back down to gold in in arena, and I'm seeing like the there aren't there, there isn't that much variation in the in the in the matchups I'm seeing. Um, I'm playing against a lot of Sultai and a lot of uh, a lot of some other normal deck. Oh yeah, it's, it's, I think this it's Sultai and Drakes actually is what I'm seeing the most. Drakes um, or Phoenix down in gold. Oh yeah. Um, Actually, sorry, sorry, Phoenix, Phoenix, yeah, how's Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix, yeah. okay. Because I, I did see a little bit of a resurgence yeah. of Drakes. Um, I mean, if everybody's playing 
Phoenix and Mono Blue, then Drake's does beat those. So, I mean, Drake's. I think Drake's is still a legitimate choice sometimes if everybody starts playing Mono Blue. Yeah. Um, even though, like, from the information we saw from the Mythic Championship, that like Phoenix seems to be just a better deck in general in a, in a vacuum. Um, but I think Drake's could, you know, could be a good choice sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you're right, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I've been playing a version of Gruel with uh, four Crawl Harpooners in the main. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, I've been fine. Um, I think I preferred to watch Wolf and um, Zerta Goblin. And I, think, I think, like, oh, as a card, Zerta Goblin is better. But then I think uh, Crawl Harpooner does um, ease your mana a lot. If you're playing if you're playing Unpaid Territory and Crawl Harpooner instead of Zerta Goblin, uh, you just name Warriors with, um, with uh, Unpaid Territory like nearly, nearly all the time. Yeah, because there are goblins, uh, goblin berserker. It kind of made it awkward and has, has intense uh, mana cost. Yeah, th- those unclaimed territory mana bases, I I really do find to be a little bit challenging because sure, most of the time you name warrior. Sometimes you name goblin if you have goblin berserker in your deck because you need to maybe play that on turn two into goblin chain whirler on turn three. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But then other times you're like you have three green sources or something. And then, well, that's unlikely to happen with the with the Chain Whirler version, but you know, um, sometimes you need to name Phoenix. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, odd. exactly. It's it's um yeah, I've yeah, I found myself doing stuff like yeah, sometimes name Phoenix, sometimes even Pirate. If um ooh spicy because you're playing was entirely Daredevil. It's, okay, it's more so if you want to like double or triple spells in in one turn, you know. Oh, okay, right. And then the game. that's usually consideration taken. Yeah, it's also awkward for like spells, of course, unclaimed territory. It only makes it colorless if you want to cast oh, yeah, definitely. lightning strike or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I'm the version I'm oh, playing, I think playing the... green one drop, so it's playing Llanowar Elf and Pell Collector, so there's no Goblin Chain Whirler in the deck. So I'm playing much yeah. more green sources than red sources. Even I, I also have Phoenix. That's my that's my heaviest kind of red mana. Um so in general I have liked the consistency of the mana in the in the lower to the ground deck. It's also a lot less likely to flood out because it's playing fewer lands. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I. I. I just think the deck is great, and it has game against everything. And I think the lower to the ground version of the deck makes me feel a lot better when I play against Nexus because, like, I have Legion War Boss in the main. Um. Also, I have one drops. Yeah. So I can, you know, I can kill on turn four or whatever. Yeah, that sounds good actually. And I, I think um, I feel I feel like the 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 larger version with uh, Chain Order and Unclaimed Territory. I mean, I think the reason why we're playing this Unclaimed Territory mana base is to allow us to play Chain Order, Chain Order, and like I think. I think it comes down to how good is Chain Warder in, in in the format in the format. I think that's really the question you're asking. Because you're really just you're really just sacrificing a lot uh, in order to play um you know, Chain Warder because it's under a tree. Yeah. I think you're I think that's absolutely correct. And I think the answer to that question right now is that Chain Whirler is not like it's it's certainly good, but it's not the best card in the format. It doesn't you know, it doesn't kill everything. Against mono blue, it's decent, but sometimes they can grow their creatures out past that size with curious possession or whatever um i mean usually if you can run out turn three you might be able to get one one or two things um against white weenie they can often grow their creatures like out uh, they can outsize it the the one damage ping uh they're you know they're running out venerated loxodons so again you have to be on the play to take advantage of it whereas i i, I do find with the the version of gruel that i'm playing the the the, the aggro version that you actually you haste your riot dudes a lot more like Zerta Goblin. Zerta Goblin I often play as a three three because it takes three turns to catch up 
with the damage, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the way it's the way it's sized, it takes three turns to do six damage if you haste it. It also takes three turns to do six damage if it's a 3-3, three, three, but a lot more removal hits it when it's a 2-2, two, two, so it's often better to play it just as a 3-3. Three, three. But the, the Gruul Spellbreaker, I mostly play as a haste 3-3. Three, three. Uh, that's what gets kind of the most damage in for me. Yeah, because I guess, I suppose in that case, it's what, three taxes? Three taxes of four four equals four taxes of three three, which is the same. No, yeah, that's the way you're, you're that's, that's the way you're balancing it. Yeah, okay. yeah, but like the game is more likely to be over before it's attacked enough times. For yeah, it. yeah, okay, and I, yeah, 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 and, and I guess as well, kind of it's it's kind of a, a big enough creature time. If you if you have your health collector out, oh, you're probably going to get two pumps off it. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess obviously another consideration is how big is your health collector? Um, yeah, are you going to get value from it coming in and dying at the right size? Yeah. Um, also the, the Gruul Spellbreaker can be very funny against, uh, against Judith decks when it's your turn. Oh yes. They can't ping the, they can't ping the, the Spellbreaker and they can't ping you because you have Hexproof as well. So sometimes I've been able to force my, my opponents who are playing Judith to ping themselves, which is very funny. (laughs) It's not optional, the ping. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I think I think another thing I like, or you like about, yeah, like I, I think another thing I like, I like, I like, I like a lot about um, um Gruul Spellbreaker reminds me a lot of um, remember Lothab from Lothab from Hearthstone? Yeah, it's like five, it's five five to makes five five for five to makes your opponent's spells cost more. As well as those cards that you played, it has its effect. You, you never really see the effect it has because it's all like happening in your opponent's hand. The effect is happening to your opponent's hand, and um, so something that it's like you know if you're playing on arena. Uh, you're going to play Grill Spellbreaker, your opponent's going to make some turns. You're not going to notice any kind of impact. Where it's like, well, if you're playing the paper, you're going, to lo- what, you're, you're going to notice a lot more often is that an opponent might, you know, take a card out and consider pointing a card um, at you or at Grill Spellbreaker during your turn and then realize, oh, no, wait, it has hex root and take it back. Yeah. So that's like you're seeing in paper. In that situation, you're seeing the effect it has, whereas the effect it has well, most of the time on Arena and you know, against um, yeah, players who write a card. Uh, the effect it has is invisible. Like it's it's one of those cards that makes your opponent play less opt- less optimally. Uh, but it's something that you don't necessarily see. Uh, so I really I really do like cards designed that way. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a very well designed card. It's also re- very good with Collision Colossus, which is in a lot of these Gruel decks, um, because you can often set up a win with early aggression of if you have a Gruel Spellbreaker on board and you know they pass the turn hoping to kill one of your other dudes or something during your attack for lethal or almost lethal, you can Collision Colossus on your Gruul Spellbreaker and just pump it for the win, and they can't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I, and as well, and that also makes me more, that that's something that makes it a lot more comfortable in playing Gruul Spellbreaker with haste, because if there's board a spotter to tree trees, uh, you know you're not going to get blown out by, you know, an instant spell on Gruul Spellbreaker when it's, when it's stacking into, if it's stacking into, if it's stacking into a 2-2, yeah. there's very little things your opponent can do to, to get rid of it uh, on your turn. Definitely. Um, it also, like, against control opponents, it makes them play weird, where they have to main phase their spells, so they don't have a, an opportunity to counter things against you, um, which yes. yeah. makes Growth Chamber Guardian better, because you can kind of activate it more freely. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think, in general, I, I think that's, like, the, the way a mid-range deck gets advantage over the control deck is by being aggressive enough to force your opponent to start playing spells on their own turn. Yeah, 
and then and then they, usually that throws, that throws them off kilter then you're you're free to play into Kenneth Hills yeah and, and this deck I think takes particular advantage of that because when you force them to play the spells on their own turn and then you also have haste guys in your deck you're just in such a commanding position over them yeah yeah uh, you're, you're convincing me to play this version now <laughs> yeah um, definitely give it a go yeah it, if you have the work yeah yeah I think I, think I do all right so that's cool. kind of our standard rundown for the moment, but which kind of brings us into Enter the Arena. Um, in Enter the Arena this week, we wanted to talk about, this was your good idea, Al. We wanted to talk about deck selection. Oh, yes. So selecting a deck for um, an event. So not just selecting whatever deck you want to play on Arena, which is oftentimes going to be, the, uh, you know, that's going to be dictated by wildcard availability. It's going to be dictated by what you find fun, whatever. Um, of course, in general, play things that you find fun, but there is an added element when you transition from Arena to Paper Magic, there is an added element where you can kind of um, start to reasonably predict the metagame, especially if you play in a shop every single week, if you play in your local LGS every single week, uh, <laughs> local LGS is kind of redundant, if you play there every single week, <laughs> you predict the meta with a fair degree of confidence, and then you can use that knowledge to change your deck selection which will hopefully help you to win to beat the beat the opposition and i mean we can see a great example of this in um in gamers world in town of, of course i'm not there anymore but i still keep up to date on the facebook page you know and uh i see darren leamy every week or every couple of weeks he's putting up uh data about modern events so he keeps very detailed data about what decks people are playing in modern modern events and uh, people's records each week so you can actually see the number of decks your percentage chance to face any one deck and how winning that deck is like how 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 high of a win percentage that deck is having overall or how many uh, match points it's taking per week so with that kind of data and i mean anybody can do that it's not super hard to collect that data um and put it together no 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 offense to darren it's he's doing great but like if you care enough, you can do that in your local shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, even like as I said, the extra step is you know, as I said, the extra step in this case, Darren takes his fine to get the the the, um, the result each deck had, and that went up. It's how each matchup went for that deck. But I, I guess like yeah, to, to to quickly do it yourself, if you just make a list of of the twelve or so decks people are playing, uh, uh, maybe maybe even even fewer than twelve if uh, there's overlap, um, you can probably pretty quickly see the 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 gap that's there in the meta. Um, I thought this is something you will you you will have traditionally been very good at. I remember I think when I started playing Magic, um, I wanted to play uh, I just wanted to play a deck with Ulamog in it basically. And uh, you said you gave me um a list from uh, an SEG open uh, by what his name was, and he basically just the green red Eldrazi ramp deck that was uh, was was doing fairly well in the uh, Shadows of Innistrad Innistrad standard. And then even though I didn't I didn't even know, even know how to play the game, but you you handed me this list and said. Uh, here the shop is set up to be destroyed by this deck because uh, everyone's playing mid range. Um, and then uh, I I got a deck and I handily dominated, you know. <laughs> and because I saw you to the game, you know, I I didn't even know all the rules like, but uh, just because um, you know, the because that deck was such a perfect selection based on the, on the meta in the shop, that selection mattered way more than my ability to, to play the deck. Yeah, and I think that can be true in a lot of different meta games, and we kind of can see that in this standard with the success of Mono Blue. Because just the way that the decks kind of shook out, um, like Mono Blue existed in the previous standard, but it was kind of a bit player. It was almost kind of a joke deck. 
uh, people started to take it more seriously towards the end. They were like, actually, this deck has some pretty good draws and, you know, it can it can do okay. But it was always still a fringe deck. And now we see it, you know, won the Pro Tour, uh, had a huge meta share at the Mythic Championship. You face it online all the time. And that was just, you know, it got some new cards. It got Terramander, it got uh, Essence Capture. But that's not really why it became such a good deck. The reason why is the evolution of other decks. So you had people who were trying super, super hard to break Wilderness Reclamation. Well, if you're trying to tap out in turn four for a sorcery speed enchantment, Spell Pierce is a pretty good card against you. Um, when yeah. you have Sultai, Sultai plays a lot of crappy creatures on the ground until they can kind of overpower you with two-for-ones and stuff like that. Well, a tempo deck that attacks in the air just can ignore everything that Sultai is doing, unless it's Wildgrot Walker, of course. Um, so I think that, and of course, Esper was the other thing that, that really uh, gained massively from from the, the newest set from Ravnica Allegiance. Uh, and again, four mana sorcery speeds, Wrath, and three mana counter spells, uh, four mana removal spells, five mana planeswalkers. Spell Pierce is really good against all of those. So it was just in this quite unique place and that's why it dominated yeah definitely and i think um it's something i i, I did you back when i was preparing for obq i guess these are all the same considerations i was making and uh, the conclusion conclusion i had come to was that yeah basically the, the cards the extra well sorry the card spell pierce is very well positioned because of all those reasons you mentioned um a lot of sorcery speed answers and sorcery speed threats are um are, are, are pretty offensive um so yeah i i wanted to go in playing i i knew first starting off i knew wanted to go in playing uh, a dive down deck um, and I think I, I landed on Drake's looking back. Uh, Mono Blue did very, very well. Um, I think if I had, I, I think I underestimated how, how good the Nexus X were. Um, because the Nexus X are just a miserable matchup for Drake's. Um, I think if I if, if I predicted more Nexus X um, at Orbit Q, I would have landed on Mono Blue, which in retrospect was definitely the correct decision going into that tournament. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think it, it often. When it comes down to deck selection and selecting a deck to beat a given meta, I think in in some ways you you shouldn't really think about decks. You should just think about cards. Like what are the key cards in this format? And if you go down the list of the key cards in this format, you know there were things like um, like Wilderness Reclamation, like Kaya's Wrath to Fairy, um, like stuff like Jade Light Ranger and I don't know Hydroid Crassus and those things. Vraska's Contempt. Vraska's Contempt. Yeah. Those things, like, when you look at those cards, you can just go, yeah, like, a tempo deck can beat all of those things, no problem. And I think that is the key to deck selection in a lot of formats. I think you should just look at those cards, make that list yourself. Um, Again, it doesn't have to be for the format at large, not necessarily for a Grand Prix. Uh, you, I'm sure you can do this for a Grand Prix, but I don't know, I find that, I find that way too hard sometimes. Uh, but, like, in a, in a, in a microcosm, in a shop... When you know exactly what people are playing, you can make that list very, very easily and just try to figure out what beats that. And I think that'll lead you to success a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, cards rather than decks. Um, I think on your on your point about not doing this for Grand Prix, I think that I think Grand Prix are a great example of a uh, of of how you can uh, overthink and and kind of lock yourself out of 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 contention. Um, you know, by meddling. By, by trying to do the meta too hard. Um, I think one example people use is um, during Eldrazi Winter, uh, was it GP Sydney, I think it was, at, at the Eldrazi, um, the modern GP where Eldrazi was everywhere. So people were thinking like, hey, we're, it's, you know, Eldrazi is going to be the best deck. 
Um, all the pros are going to be playing it. Uh, we'll play this deck that definitely beats uh, Aldrazi, uh, which, you know, if you're choosing a deck that definitely did beat Aldrazi, uh, you're going to do very well against Aldrazi, but you, know, you, ha- you, you have to make it to day two first. You know, you've got you to make your way to the top tables before you start playing against the best deck. So if you're playing against um, a deck that has a very good matchup against uh, the the um, you know the most wanted deck at that, at that GP, if you're playing against de- if you're playing with a deck that does very well against that, but uh, you know in order to do so, it's given up some percentage against uh, you know other decks in the format. Um, it's possible it's possible you just, you just don't get there. You know you, you uh, it's possible that you just lose to you know the second best deck or the third best deck, um, which maybe represented the higher numbers during the early stages of the tournament. Yeah, you definitely don't want to. You don't want to end up choosing a deck that leaves you with a load of a load of zero percenters, as people would say, which is like you know, like no chance to win against a load of decks that are quite popular, especially in modern. I think I think in standard, if you're going to a standard Grand Prix, you can apply this process. You definitely can think about it like this, because like the meta share is going to be, you know, it's it's going to be split between like five decks or whatever. So you know, there's you don't have to worry about that too much it's not going to be that diverse so you can apply this method to a standard grand prix but to a modern grand prix people have their pet decks they have a deck and they can't afford to buy another one there's a lot of reasons why people play decks in modern so i just don't think you can apply this this idea to a modern grand prix that well um you can apply it to something like a modern mythic championship i think um because in that setting more people are willing to experiment and change decks and and break it um, and you probably can apply it to uh, a smaller modern tournament in a local shop because, again, people often don't have flexibility of decks. They just stick on the deck that they want and that they like. So you can sometimes, like, it depends how diverse it is, I suppose. If you're playing against a field of, like, 20 or 30 people every week and, and you know, the, the diversity is through the roof, like, every second person is, or every person is playing a different deck because, you, you know, you can have that in modern, no problem. Uh, then it's a bit harder. I don't think you can really do that strategy, but you can still do it to an extent. Depends. Depends exactly what decks you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's uh, that's deck selection. That's all we have to say about that, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I, I feel like, overall for me, I felt like this was like a, a part of my um, you know, maturity as a Magic player. You know, I think I, I came to Magic just with the idea that, um, oh, I guess coming from, uh, as, as a fan of the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime when I was a kid, I just love the idea of everyone plays a deck that represents their personality, and and you know this, this is like going to be my deck forever, and I am always going to be the person who plays this deck. Um, then I, I think kind of go more and more competitive. Competitive, it is kind of sad. Like I, I kind of realize, like I, it's kind of it kind of makes me sad when I'm taking part in conversations as to saying, oh yeah, this is the deck for this week, but not the deck for last week. You know what I mean? Or, or it's like this weekend would be a very good weekend to play this deck, um, based on how the, how, the, how the format's shaping up. Um, so even though this is like the correct competitive um, approach to take, um, the child in me is is always a little bit sad that uh, I'm no longer playing the deck that my spirit wants me to play. Which is unless it's, which is Tron if it's modern anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> um, Tron's always good. Nothing beats Tron. That is true. That is true. You only need four cards to win the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I yeah. It is a bit sad that we can't all just have the deck. Well, we can, of course, we can do that. But I, I don't know. I, I would hate to be. This sounds terrible, but I, I would dislike to be the person that everyone goes, "Oh yeah, that's that's the something guy." You know the way people say about like Craig Wesco, like he's the white weenie guy. I, I just don't want to be that ever. Yeah, yeah. 
I want to be the person. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Yeah. If someone says, oh, this lad's class because, uh, you know, Dave Wolf is class because he can just pick up any deck and be class with it. That's, I think that's a much higher compliment than um, a white mini guy. Yeah. I, Even though that's something that I get, I guess. Uh, I mean, you don't have to I, worry too much about what other people are, are thinking of you, I guess. But at the same time, it, it, it makes me feel better to feel like I could pick up any deck and, and do okay with it. Although I don't think I've ever done... I don't think I've ever played a major tournament with a control deck. I've definitely played tournaments with aggro, mid-range, and combo decks and done well. But I don't think I've ever played a control deck. I, I know I played blue-black, but that was kind of... I played a blue the control version of blue-black with Scarab God, and I did okay, but I don't think I ever played it at a big tournament. Um, so maybe that's that's my weak spot. I do, I do find control quite hard. I, I'm not like... I don't think I'm a control-minded player. I counter the wrong things, and stuff like that so that's maybe an area i have to work on in the future for my to to widen my deck selection possibilities yeah yeah that's, that's very you, you didn't play um that uh the blue red control deck for a while did you the, with um wandering fumarole and uh, uh oh, i did actually and, uh, your hook i think i think you played that you played that at a pptq right uh i don't maybe re- i'm wrong I played it at a pptq but i'm i definitely played it in the shop for a while yeah i did um Oh, I think yeah. I, I think you played it at a game day, which at the time was uh, a high level competition. Uh, from my perspective, at that time, <laughs> uh, it was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, game day is still a big deal. I've still never won a game day. I've been second. So. Oh yeah. Oh God, I knocked you out of your last one. Yeah. I've, so I've been second twice, have I? No. Did you? Did we finals that we played? No, it wasn't. I think it was semifinals. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Monterey Red Mirror. Yeah. Uh, oh. Anyway, yeah, that's something that I'll have to knock off my list when I get home. Wait, do do game days still exist? <laughs> I think sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I think uh, oh, they're they're no longer. The last one we had was like on a Thursday night. It just went on very late. Um, I think um, it's no longer a separate day. I don't know. It's it's kind of a decision by the Wizards Play Network to kind of um have like a, a weekend of all different formats, but the play map being like one prize. Um, but I, I think some shops just you know gave it away during their normal standard tournaments. Oh, okay. Um, that's odd. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I'll try to win one of those when I go. Ah, yeah. Um, so I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, of course, there is more to be said on deck selection, but, you know, limited time. Um, spent too much time talking about oh, yeah. talkers. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to get in touch with us, if you would like to ask a question about deck selection or you would like to suggest a topic for Enter the Arena, something you'd like to hear about, you can email us, skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us, at Skullcrack. Uh, that's crack with a C or A-I-C. Um, and that is going to do it from us this week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. So um, this was recently posted on, on on Reddit, I guess. You know, as we're talking about planeswalkers, we're talking about um, speculation of what you know new planeswalkers and new cards will do. Um, you know, coincidentally, um, a few days ago, someone posted that uh, apparently Mark Rosewater has uh, has provided a list of characters that are currently in files for upcoming products.
So these are characters that exist in the Magic the Gathering lore, which um, have their names in files, which may or may not be associated with future cards. Uh, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go read through a few of them. Uh, we're going to speculate on what we think the card will do, uh, if you're familiar with, with, the, uh, with the character. Okay. Um, straight away, one of them, one of these, one of the characters in this list is Sarah from Dominaria, which last week we know is a uh, is going to be in Modern Horizons. So these potentially could be future cards. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I am. All right. First up, we have uh, as uh, as more an armor dick in Adekulakar. <laughs> you familiar with this character? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> as more as as more as more Dominic casting on Luklar. As as more an armor as more an armor dick. Cased in a Kuldakar. Uh, bless you. <laughs> I, I actually practiced saying this uh, a lot of times, but uh, I still can't. Okay. Uh, this is a character from Dominaria. She is a, a female wizard and the author of the Underworld Cookbook. Um, uh, oh, okay. So the story behind. Uh, yes. What this is? This. She. Yeah. So I think the storyline. Yeah. So she. Yeah. So she summoned uh, a lord, lord, a lord of the pit called uh, Vincent. Um, he, <laughs> you know, usually needs to sacrifice a creature for this, uh, for, for this, uh, for this, for uh, this British demon, unless uh, if you don't, it does. Uh, she summoned this creature. Um, she didn't have any to sacrifice. Uh, she said, "He, he, the, the Lord of Spit said, oh, I'm going to eat you instead.'" And then she said, "Oh no, I'm, I'm actually deadly at cooking. Uh, I'll be your chef for uh, seven years and seven days." Very biblical. Huh. Um, so he said, "Fine." So she made her, she made him loads and loads of lovely, lovely meals. Um, and after, after the service, her the service was finished. After seven years, seven days, she um, released all of these recipes. In the Underworld Cookbook, okay. um, and so it's uh, apparently it's uh, so apparently some copies of this book have escaped to the to the you know the Overworld the and, and uh, other planes, and now it's uh, used by um, you know high class culinary uh, artisans uh, all across the multiverse for lovely lovely meals. So if this was a card, what card would it be? Well, she she's not a planeswalker, no. No, no, she's a, a wizard. Okay, so legendary creature uh, is she human? I think so. Um, I saw someone else made a card for her as a gnome, so maybe she's a gnome. Okay. I'd say she's a gnome. Okay, so okay then, uh, legendary creature, gnome, wizard. Um, I feel like if she's okay, so what's her name? Okay, the short version is Asmore, right? Sorry, Asmore. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna go Asmore, Infernal Chef. Oh, I like it. Uh, one black red for uh two two, and hmm, hmm. I know. I'm. I'm imagining that she has some kind of tap ability and something related to seven. So like maybe tap, pay seven. Um, target opponent loses seven life. You gain seven life. I don't know. You're you're eating their life. Ooh, that'd be good. That's the best. I, I think that works. Um, yeah, I guess it's more, more creative than I think. I think it's just like a, an overcosted, undersided creature that comes in uh, with a token that. Essentially, does the same thing Lord of Spit does. Um, uh, yeah, you know, that, that's the end of each. good. Yeah. Well, um, you do again. Do them. Um, it's a. No, I, I, I don't have to be. It's, 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 a, seven, it's a, a, a flying trample 7 7. It doesn't like uh, at the beginning of each book, you uh, sacrifice creature. If you don't, it does 7 damage to you. Okay. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. And your version yeah. also is pretty good because um, you could have. You, you have the opportunity for uh, a demon token. With the name Vincent, so. Ooh, shit! Yeah, legendary. Yeah, in class. Um. All right, so. Yeah, I, I, I guess on a quick. Better. Yeah, yeah. On, on a quick note, uh, I don't find myself in situations where I'm describing the game Magic Gathering to people who haven't played before. You know, like someone says, "Oh, Magic Gathering, what's that?" Um. So obviously, there's all different approaches you can take. 
one approach I took with one of my mates, Mark, who is uh, two of my friends, uh, who are both familiar with fantasy, um, the genre of fantasy and stuff. Uh, instead of describing the rules of the game or that the cards, I just launched into describing the color wheel. Um, and like they are both absolutely amazed by this, just to describe what each color did. At one point, one of them said, oh, so I guess black is evil. And I was like, oh, no, black is more of like a, you know, a, a ambitious, selfish uh, color. You know, you do a lot of self-sacrifice. And then Lord of the Pit was a card I, I described as like a perfect you know, black flavor card. And like, I could see the like excitement and joy in their eyes as they realized the flavor behind Lord of the Pit. So they're like, oh, my God. So if you don't have anything, anything defeated, it starts attacking you. Um, so uh, if you want to get people into magic, uh, Lord of the Pit is uh, the way to get there. Yes, especially a Lord of the Pit named Vincent. Yes, yes. All right, next we have, I know, uh, you'll know this one. This is a Curse Guy from Commander 2017. Oh, God. He has a very stylish haircut. Yeah, it's just, it's fair. I, I feel like, is Curse Guy the first hint in Magic we have that, like, this plane is, like, part of the multiverse? Uh, like, Earth? Yeah, because it's clear he comes from Earth. Like, he's supposed to look like a normal Magic player, right? No, I don't think so. He looks like a wizard, but he just has a, a, a fashionable haircut. Like a haircut of the times. Oh, is he not, is he not wearing jeans? Don't think so. Is that wearing like jeans and hoodie? Okay, okay. Oh, that makes him far less exciting. I think he's wearing like a, a big overcoat. He looks fairly fantasy-like, except for the hair. Okay, maybe that's that's just me projecting. You know? Yeah. I'm seeing what I want to see. Um, All the curses that he's on are worded quite weirdly, aren't they? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Enchant player, and then it's like, if enchanted player or you become the target of a spell or something like that. Isn't that all that weird kind of... Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, kind of like it's strange like wording. Anyway. Okay, so we want him as a legendary yeah. creature. Yes. Mm. Um, I'm assuming it would just be like all the curses would happen to him, right? Oh, okay. So I, I'm thinking like he wants to be the target of like what? What? What do the curses do again? Like there, I know there's one that makes treasure. I think the red one makes treasure. Uh, the blue one draws cards. Yeah. The black one sacrifices stuff. I'm not sure exactly which what the curses did, but like I feel like he would just be a creature, like maybe a five color, like a Wooberg creature, and then when he comes in, he's like a zero one, and when he dies, his death trigger is just all the curses effects go off at once. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that, that, yeah, that works. I guess um yeah, I suppose kind of the flavor, the flavor behind his original um, cycle of curses that it's basically encouraging other players to attack the curse player. Other players to attack the cursed player. Yeah, so I'd say the black one um, is whenever enchanted player is attacked, create you create a two-two black zombie, and each opponent who attacks that player does the same. Oh, uh, okay, okay, yes, yeah. So they're really political cards. Um, yeah, yeah. So like, it's kind of like why, if you play him, surely you would get the negative effects of the curse. So like, your opponent should get the zombie. I don't know. It's weird. I just I can't imagine him being. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Unless he's managed to like, uh, around both. and he's managed to, to make all the curses work for him somehow. Ooh, cla- yeah, class. It works. Uh, or about um, like something like if he uh, if he if he must be the target of enchantments, your opponent controls. Yeah, I, spells. It would be cool, actually. Yeah, if he had the flag, the flag bearer ability, like he has to be yeah, the target. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he would die, but then you get all the all the bonuses. Yes, oh, that'd be class. All right, give me another. All right. Um, next up. Next up, as mentioned before, we have Hal and Alina from Innistrad. Oh, yeah. These are the werewolf hunters. Mm. So they are werewolf hunters. They're not werewolves. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they're not. I'm pretty sure they're not. Let's say they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not. 
Honestly, I don't know enough about them. They're both women, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't really know enough about them, but I feel like if they're werewolf hunters, they should have some kind of enter the battlefield, like destroy a beast or uh, like maybe tutor up. uh, 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 Oh, yeah, this would be a good idea, actually. So what was that? There's been like a couple of creatures in the last couple of years that when they enter the battlefield, you can go looking in your library for like a specific named uh, enchantment or a specific named um, artifact. So they could have oh, yeah. something like a silver bullet as the artifact. And they, you're, you're, oh my god, silver bullet. So when they enter the battlefield, that is so good. Four, four. And then, I don't know, the silver bullet could maybe just be an artifact. I don't even know if it would be an equipment. And it's on the battlefield, and then they have like a tap sacrifice silver bullet, destroy target beast, or destroy target werewolf, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or you probably kind of lean in heavier, he- he- heavier, he- <laughs> more heavily into um, silver bullet as concept is in like it's it's a it's an artifact that has a whole lot of different different modes when it's destroyed. You know? Yeah, that'd be sweet. An artifact that you can, yeah, yeah, an actual silver bullet. So, they, so their oh, that's very nice. is actually just. Their ability is literally just tap sacrifice silver bullet, and then the silver bullet actually has all the text of what it does when it dies. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Oh, I, that'd be so good. I like that. Okay. Uh, another one which uh, probably will be coming up in Modern Horizons is a uh, Yagmoth. Ooh. Honestly, I, I, I've read uh, a lot about the old story, but I really don't know how you capture Yagmoth on a card. Like by the time by the story by the time the story ended, he was literally just a cloud of black mana. I'm pretty sure. He was just a cloud of death. Okay. So maybe maybe his car yeah. have to capture him before before that. So like when he was younger, when he just first became a planeswalker and first discovered Frexia. Yeah, it could be like um like what is Spark United. <laughs> I don't know. It's, whenever I'm trying to think of anything for Yagmoth, I keep on just defaulting back towards Obnixidus. Um because I suppose Obnixidus is just an archetypical black card. Yeah. Uh, you know, up draw card, down to kill something. Uh, I I almost said Oh yeah, it could be Yogmoth just you know as a spark ignited. He could be Yogmoth uh, Yogmoth ignited, <laughs> the same as as Obnixus. Well, I I think um, it could be cool because he was like some kind of a he was a type of a healer or something before that. So it could be cool if he did some okay. anti heal type stuff. Um, I don't know. I I think it'd be really cool if he was very cheap. Like I hope he is in the set, and I hope he's a really powerful planeswalker. I I would like him to be like a two mana black planeswalker. So like black black. Um. Or even like black blue or something. I don't know if he's really associated with blue mana, but something like that. And then maybe his plus is like target okay. creature gains infect until end of turn. Oh yes, Ooh. something like that. What is it? I got nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. It's be hard. Ultimate can be um uh something with poison counters. Like either target player gains ten poison counters or. Uh, creature control. <laughs> target player gains ten points of control. Yeah, so you win the game. <laughs> well, what, what? Okay, right. Literally. Uh, or it okay. could be uh, or what was it? creatures you control have whenever this creature deals damage to a player, that player gains ten poison counters, or infect ten, infect ten. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's that better. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Creatures you control have infect ten. Yeah. Um, that would be his ultimate for like minus nine or something, because that'd be a crazy ability. I'm not sure what his yeah. minus would be. Maybe he wouldn't have a minus or something. I don't know. You have to balance him somehow if yeah. he's a two-mana Planeswalker. That's true. That's true. All right. Finally, we have uh, Fibblethip. Fibblethip. Okay. I'm also thinking very cheap. Yeah, let's say... All right, I, I, was, I was going to jump in and say, for the sake of this, he has to be a Planeswalker. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's where I was going anyway. 
Okay, yeah, go on, okay, yeah. Um, so, one in a blue. Okay. Uh, no, we'll say two in a blue, two in a blue. Um, plus one, look at the top card of target player's library. Uh, you may put it underneath, no. Uh, fate seal. Let's make, make a fate. Yeah. Let's make a fate seal. Yeah, make a fate seal, yeah. And then... He, he, his zero is brainstorm, is it? <laughs> Well, actually, yeah, he's getting pretty close to Jace here, actually. Um, uh, minus one, put target creature on top of its owner's library. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, and he comes in with, let's say, three loyalty. No, that's too many. Yeah. Two loyalty, two loyalty. That's, too, that's insane. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then his ultimate is minus... Uh, so his his... Yeah, so he comes in with two, and let's say he has a plus one. So we'll say his ultimate. No, that's. Uh, I think actually his plus should be plus two, and then his ultimate can be minus seven. No, minus eight. Minus. Yeah. Eight. Uh, put all permanents on top of their owners' libraries. Oh wow, <laughs> that's a pretty. Uh, that is pretty pretty good. Ult, um, <laughs> all permanents on top of their owners. Nice. You combine it, combine it with a Jace minus sculptures. If you get his ult and Jace minus sculptures ult at the same time, yeah, um, <laughs> it's class. I think, um, yeah, maybe I, I think a super bounce as a minus. I think is too powerful, like as a repeatable minus. No, it's just creature. It's, 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 oh, just creature. Okay, right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It works. I was thinking of um, and he only has is it possible to make you can only say twice. Okay, right. I need a dice. Yeah, and then is, is this plus two still fate seal or just look? Uh. Yeah, maybe make his plus two just... Oh, maybe face it. Yeah, yeah. If he's just going to be three mana. Oh, and also he has an additional yeah, line of text. If he would die, instead exile him and then... No, no, instead shuffle him into your library. <laughs> Why does he need that? Okay. He gets lost. So, um, can he can he, can he, can he uh, target himself with his minus? Uh, no, only creatures. Okay, okay. Let's just make him the fairy. Um, so I was thinking, let's, let's say if he push it even more as a cheap planeswalker. If we were to say people tip uh, is uncommon at one mana, right? Let's say he just costs blue. Okay. All right. Now, how, how how is this too good? Um, he comes in with two two uh two loyalty counters. Okay. Uh, it's plus one. Uh, maybe. Yeah. All right. His um his plus one is uh I was gonna say put a counter on target creature, but that's probably not um oh yeah put put a counter on creature control. Uh, uh, maybe not blue. Counter. But he's yeah yeah. Well, I, I, I have, we make we make him simic hybrid one mana. Okay. Right? So it's plus it's plus is put a counter on a creature. Is he just going to be... He comes in two. He comes in two. He's just going to be what? Slippery Bogle. No. <laughs> okay, okay, tell me. Oh, well, oh yeah, okay, all right, all right. So it's, it's, it comes in two loyalty. A plus is put a counter on target creature. Uh, minus two, uh, make a two-two homunculus token. That's it. Uh, yeah, okay. That sounds pretty good. As well, one mana, one mana planeswalker. Well, I mean, I guess one mana, two-two. Like, uh, yeah, well, that's, that's the same as... Um, that's quite good. Your man, the dog from uh, Kamigawa. What's, what's he called? It's Amaru. The... It's Mario, yeah. Yeah, but like, that. it could be uh, blue is very a legendary for blue. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. Oversight of blue creatures probably too good. Well, he's he's semi hybrid, so kind of green, oh, even easier to cast. Yeah, I I can get behind that. I don't know why he would be green, but okay. I guess counters are green, right? Yeah, <laughs> but why would Fubbletop be green? Like his. Oh right. Um. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I, 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 I've always been. Okay, if if anybody has an interesting Fubbletop design. And in this case, I'm specifically shouting out Eamon, Eamon Sharpson. He's <laughs> very good, yes. Good for sending us in. Yeah, I, 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 I get, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I guess as a whole, I'm interested in uh, what do very low-powered sheep planeswalkers look like. Yeah. 
Definitely. Me too. Yeah, like it's two abilities, one tiny incremental advantage and basically an ult that you do straight away that does a small effect. Is that the direction they're going to take? Seems reasonable. I feel like we're we're definitely going to find out the answer to that in this in this set because with 36 Planeswalkers, they can't all just be in the 3 to 5 mana range or 3 to 6 mana range. That's really boring. Like it would be interesting to yeah. see them run a, a wider gamut from I mean, even potentially one mana all the way up to like seven or eight mana. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Ah, just make them all five mana and um, <laughs> have a plus that's card advantage, a minus that's protection, and an ult that wins the game. No. 36 times. <laughs> no. Except have all of them do that except for Obnixilis. Yes. Okay, now I'm on board. <laughs> all right, like it. All right, I think that's going to do it for us. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, goodbye.